Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man Clark Barnes, the working girl Jordan Smith, and ginger woodsman Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good. Doing well. Splendid. How are you, Pete? I am good. Uh, I have a quick story to share to start this pod off. Uh, Bert and I jumped in the car today and drove to our nearest pharmacy in order to pick up from our Amazon delivery box our wheel, our bet wheel. So we now have oh a boy. legit, a legit wheel bet wheel. So uh, listeners, it's dry erase marker, so we can write whatever our punishments are. So listeners, please tweet them at us. Tweet your ideas for good punishments that you want to see us do if we lose our uh, our wheel bets. The only bet we have currently going on is that uh, Nick thinks that Emmanuel Sanders won't get 90 targets in the, at least 14 games, and that's with me. Uh, so while we were doing that, I was listening to my podcast, or listening to my iPod, and it was on shuffle, and a song came on, and I was like, Hadn't heard it in a while, and it was playing. I was like, you know what? The Power Rangers theme song is a goddamn banger. That song rips. It was blasting through my car. I was all kinds of pumped. It is like the prime of metal music, rock and roll uh, to a child's theme, uh, child's TV show. And I was reminded of just how much of how much of a banger. The Power Rangers theme song is. That's my story. I thought that was going to lead to the Power Rangers theme song being the wheel theme song. Ooh, I like it. I'm not, we I'm not advocating for that. No, no, no. Nick, that was your idea. It's a great idea. Anytime we pull out the wheel to spin for punishment, uh, we will blast the Power Rangers theme song. Perfect. I love it. Not watch Power Rangers as children. If you don't have, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say. This is crushing, crushing. Uh, all right. Well, we got lots to get to. We have uh, obviously some news, and we're going to start our NFL draft talk today. We're going to talk uh, some sleepers that we like in this draft of guys who could have uh, some good fantasy fantasy value, but also just just good players uh, who are going later in the draft. Names that maybe you haven't quite heard of yet. Uh, but of course, before we get to that, let us do talk and cover the news. Headlining the news was a trade the 49ers made all the way to move up to number three overall in this year's draft with the Dolphins. Uh, they swear, though, that they're keeping Jimmy G and that this was not for, uh, you know, a quarterback that they are going to then replace Jimmy G with. 
lol that's a joke uh but so they moved up to number three overall the dolphins went back to the niners pick at 12 but then they moved with the eagles back up to six and so now the eagles sit at uh number 12 obviously we all know that this is for a quarterback they've been linked with mac jones which i don't love uh i would much prefer they go with someone like trey lance or justin fields justin fields would be my absolute dream that would be a glorious landing spot for them uh but yeah clark what do you think about this shaking up the draft it's i love big trades for the draft last year was a little bit disappointing i think uh trey lance is the way to go uh fields just may be good eventually but process is a little slow i don't understand why zach wilson is getting all of this hype as the number two quarterback it's like we forgot about baker mayfield uh so i think this is really good for san francisco to do this you can be okay with an okay quarterback for forever and uh san francisco went to the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo as their quarterback so if they can get somebody good in there super exciting rises you know the rising tide lifts all fantasy assets in a year or two um maybe tough this year or maybe a year for garoppolo last year for garoppolo but super exciting lots of movement and then miami going back up signifies they are not going to be drafting like a linebacker or something they are going to get to uh, one of these big weapons yeah i think going to san francisco is just a good situation for any young quarterback i would be okay here with either fields or trey lance um some things to like i don't know monitor and for san francisco fans to freak out about over the next couple <laughs> of weeks here is that um john lynch and whoever else went to um, Alabama's say tomorrow, actually, I think it is, and Ohio State's is also tomorrow. So there's another contingency of 49ers fans going to Ohio State. Um, so you can speculate whether they're going with Mac Jones or, um, or Justin Fields. And Kyle Shanahan was quoted saying today, Quote, to move up to three, we had to feel good. There would be three guys we'd be comfortable with leading our team for a long time. There's a chance to get there with four or five. There's five guys at that are kind of at this party. So that first sentence there, leading the team, makes me think that they're not up to three to draft Kyle Pitts, which is what I thought hilariously would have been an awesome like just flex for them to trade a whole bunch of first rounders to get Kyle Pitts. But um, it sounds like they're going for a quarterback, whether that's to start this year or to sit behind Jimmy and go. Yeah. I thought that quote by Shanahan was pretty funny because it seemed like he sort of told us, yeah. So there's basically three guys we're considering. I mean, five. And it, so it's not a quarter because he like totally reversed course. He, there's the, only the, three people. With, oh shit. I gave yeah, away our I position. mean five. Yeah. So anyway, um, what I, uh, you guys tell me if I'm making too much of a big deal about this, but I have not been able to get the photo. <laughs> okay. This is not what I meant, but I have not been able to get the photo of Mac Jones after the national championship out of my head where he is shirtless smoking a cigar. And this is like, Eli Manning, like he is in worse shape than Beachbody oh. Eli Manning. <laughs> and I, I, to me is I, all I can think of is like the, the, the two quarterbacks that come to mind who apparently just did not give a shit about their body 
was Roethlisberger and Winston. And obviously those, those two carry like huge character red flags, but I, I don't, how much should we care or not care that this dude apparently never gave a damn about going to the gym? To me, this seems like a red flag, but I might be going way too far into the weeds with this. I feel this like is the it's, first time saying it, this. It's so. like, uh, it's an anti Joe Burrow, basically. It's like trying to look cool smoking a cigar. Um, <laughs> I believe Mac Jones, though, is a follower of the church of Tim Tebow. So I don't think that he has a huge, like, I don't know, character flaw. Uh, he's His teammates apparently love him, but I don't get why you would trade up all the way to three to draft like a statue yes it makes zero sense i it would it would actively make me annoyed if the 49ers drafted mac jones traded up to make get mac jones because it just he is it's not that like it's not that you can't be a a statue in the pocket quarterback anymore and have success like i think you certainly can and kyle shanahan's system like could be one, you know, there's a lot of comps to him being compared to Matt Ryan. And obviously Shanahan, when he was, you know, offensive coordinator for the Falcons, uh, Matt Ryan was an MVP candidate under him. So it certainly can be done. Uh, and he has other traits for him. But it's just, to me, it puts such a, it puts a cap on the ceiling of a young quarterback when you're learning how to process in the NFL, learning how to, you know, kind of get everything situated. And when you're playing in the league, if you don't have that ability to extend plays to run, to have that part of your game. So it, I hope, I hope that this is like all smokescreen for Mac Jones. And ultimately it's, you know, the decision between Trey Lance or Justin Fields that they're going for. Um, I all, I mean, who knows? We will see. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I, the Mac Jones, Mac Jones, not caring about his body. I give him mild props. It takes it takes a, it takes a certain level of confidence to be a professional athlete and be like, I'm not going to work out. <laughs> Sorry, I've spent this whole time finding the photo to get to show Clark because he was saying, <laughs> "Oh, I found it." I... God damn it! All right, well there it is. Now we have it on Slack. Good, um, very Alabama. You're like, and, yep. That's so it's yep. Like, okay, you have the keys to the most dominant program in college football right now, and you're not going to lift the fucking weight. Like, you're you're well, cool. He didn't just need being to. Like, I mean, right. they won and a so, championship. So take that, Nick. And so that's <laughs> what do you think about that? that? It's like, why? How? How did he not? How, I don't know. I guess I would ex- hope for more from a young man who's like get a. He has to lead a franchise next year. Yeah, you let and, the you let the other guys do the heavy lifting. You're the quarterback, right? You know, you're I'm the manager. Excited, I, I I'm think you're talking for- about the backup quarterback, Clark. Like that's that's what the guy yeah. who gets to hold the clipboard gets to do. Anyway, <laughs> Jay Cutler I, I, never had any problems. He was fine. True. He was true. a heater heater now and again. Now that said, if Shanahan picks him, I'm probably gonna be like, yeah, it makes oh sense. yeah, oh we'll definitely talk <laughs> ourselves into like Mac Jones being fucking amazing and and you know being the perfect quarterback for this offense. But yes, on face value, I'm just excited for Nick's search history to now contain Mac Jones shirtless. So I, I'm old enough that when I searched someone's name plus cigar, I was like, oh, I hope this doesn't get body. <laughs> yeah, we're taking it back to 90s dad jokes here. All right. Oh, well done. All right, let's move on in the news. Uh, we talked about this as a possibility last week. Uh, Sammy Watkins was visiting the Baltimore Ravens, and he has indeed signed with the Baltimore Ravens. And so uh, the Ravens, after losing out on 
pretty much every free agent wide receiver has seemingly gotten their guy. And we mentioned last week that, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, his 1000 yard season did come when uh, he played under Greg Roman as the OC in, uh, in Buffalo. So that could be something. I don't know. Nick, what do you think about Watkins landing in, uh, in Baltimore? Does this preclude them from making a making? Oh, okay. Well, so you think that there's still moves to be made. What, what are we doing with this guy? I mean, he had, he's like, he's good for like one game a year in Kansas city and, and they have an ascending quarterback. I don't know. I think this is one of the worst decisions that they've made like in the Lamar Jackson era. Why, why invest in Sammy Watkins? He, he has shown like his, his body is broken down. He had like substance abuse issues. I know it's only a one year and as you said, like $5 million commitment, but like there were serious playmakers that they could have added. I am way more excited by the idea of Kenny Galladay or Will Fuller going to this offense than I am Sammy Watkins. I, I don't think Watkins will really be available. And I think it's a bit of a redundant skill set um, that they already have with Hollywood Brown. Like mm, yeah. I get that Watkins can, can play X, but he's a downfield receiver. So anyway, no, I, I think this is stupid. I don't, get it i don't like it i hate it the optimistic view about this is the ravens they need bodies like they lost willie sneed right that's a thing that we're talking about is that they lost willie sneed not that he's good but like he played a lot for them they had des bryant last year they need people to play i agree with nick that he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy and been really unproductive in kansas city which is a feat like byron pringle had more good games uh and is good like no no right. shade on but byron but pringle. that is that is certainly to take note that if a receiver yeah. doesn't do great in kansas city uh the probability that he's going to go somewhere else and suddenly thrive not really this is like uh, a, this is like a 50 percent marvin jones move like we talked about marvin jones last week marvin jones probably not a great fantasy asset but man what a good move by the organization to bring in a, a solid, good veteran wide receiver to a team that you know needed wide receiver help. Feels like the Ravens are trying to do that with Sammy Watkins, but the injury history—it's just—it's not there anymore. When he plays and he has that good game, he looks great, and yeah. then that's it. But so just to unnecessarily ram this nail on the head even further, he—he's like he's a weird locker room presence, right? Like he's part of that male superiority cult. He's got like a oh, lizard god. Right. This isn't someone who's like, you know, who I'd really like to have uh, influencing the cousin of Antonio Brown as though he's already not got one. Like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't listen to that guy in his life. Let's bring in Colt Lizard King guy. What? This is insane. This is breaking news to me. I learned more listening to this podcast (laughs) than... Well, it's also it's how, it's how well we we intake information and then digest it and like give it back out. We, you know, it's it's Nick is just doing a perfect job of concising like this whole this whole thing. It's a cult lizard king, <laughs> Sammy Watkins, in a nutshell. Moving on in the news, uh, the Bucks have continued to just keep everyone in house, and their final piece to the puzzle was Leonard Fournette. Uh, what's 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 his what is his Lombardi Lenny? is uh is now back in tampa jordan any feelings with leonard fournette uh staying in tampa bay is he the him and ronald jones duo is still going to always drive fantasy fantasy heads nuts but uh i don't know do you feel anything in particular 
Uh, not particularly, just because it's hard to trust, again, hard to trust Bruce Arians with what he does and how he distributes and whose backfield he says it is. And I still kind of think that they're going to draft a running back. Um, the guy I'll talk about a little bit later has already Ooh. had a conversation with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I, it's a toss up and I still don't think Leonard Fournette's good. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not much to add. It's no, frustrating, and he's okay. You know, it's going to run hard, and uh, yeah. I had some gumbo last night, given that we're talking about the NFL's representative I want to keep track of the number of times we bring up Leonard Fournette on this podcast, and Nick's immediate response is something gumbo-related. It's, it's at least one for one. His weight is like out of control because he eats Cajun soup. It you can't not talk anyway. Sorry, it's delicious though, and I'm definitely in post. Definitely going to keep that long pause after Jordan's conversation just to like fully cement how blah we are about Leonard Fournette this year in fantasy, regardless of where he is. Uh, all right, finally in the news, uh, not fantasy related. This is a story that has been. Uh, obviously making its way around the news for a while now, but uh, I feel like it's, we should probably make a, you know, it's, it's time to talk a little bit about it. Uh, as of Monday, 19 civil suits have been filed against Deshaun Watson, uh, filed by women from three different states uh, in terms of sexual misconduct. And SI today just released an article about a masseuse who is not involved in this suit, but also experienced sexual misconduct from Watson during a massage session. I highly recommend you go read the article. Uh, it is obviously like uncomfortable to read, um, but the actions described are wildly inappropriate. And with all this information coming to light with similarities between known stories, it's starting to look more and more like a inexcusable, unacceptable and inappropriate pattern of sexual misconduct from Watson over the past few years. Um, and there's obviously will be some sort of resolution that comes to this, but it is pretty wild that uh, within the matter of a month or so, the conversation surrounding Watson has gone from where will he play to will he play again? So some, uh, a news topic, certainly that we will uh, continue to track. I don't really have anything else to add on top of that, except to have people absorb as much information as possible. Um, highly recommend uh, not just the SI article, but going to read the details in the lawsuits yourself. Like there's a lot of information in there that you can glean. And Deshaun Watson's a very talented football player, but that's also just not something that should be glossed over because he is, um, you know, one of the top guys in the NFL and there shouldn't be a tolerance for this like there has been in the past for a few other names. So we shall see. I think you said everything well, Pete. Sorry, my dog is uh, trying to kill a squirrel through the window right now. Um, oh, technically the family. Uh, yeah, that's right. Good for him. So anyway, I, I think that, that you, you summed it up really well with the categorization of what seems to, to be a pattern of behavior it's entirely possible that this is, you know, things are not as they seem. Um, I'm skeptical that, that that's the case. Uh, this like consistent woman after woman, basically communicating the same like means of contact, what happened at the um, massage. Um, 
appointment. Anyway, yeah, it, it looks uh, – I don't think that I'll be surprised if, if Deshaun Watson never plays football again. All right, before we get into our NFL draft sleepers for this year, uh, let's take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, we are back, and we've officially made it to draft month, so we're going to start our draft talk as we move forward with some sleeper players, guys who aren't slated to go in the first or maybe second round, uh, but names that you that could be big impact guys uh, in 2021, both real football and fantasy football. Uh, these are guys like the most obvious examples recently, like a DK Metcalf who went in the end of the second round or a Terry McLaurin who went in the third round, both of whom made immediate impacts uh, in both real and fantasy football and are guys that if you have a sense of them going into the draft, depending on where they land, uh, you might be able to get the upper hand on your league mates in uh, in redraft fashions. Uh, Clark, let's start with you. Who's a, who's a guy going into this draft that you are a little higher on than maybe most people in in terms of uh, fantasy potential or light or football potential? Excuse me. So we're going to stick with the running backs here. Those guys have opportunities to come from nowhere, undrafted free agent, to be on the fantasy radar immediately, uh, but not picking a name from the top. So Trey Sermon is a running back who played at Oklahoma for three years, really just two years, and then transferred to Ohio State last year where you had just an unbelievably uh, unbelievably productive, however shortened, season. Uh, and the what I like about this guy is I think a knock against him, but something that NFL coaches really like and real football uh watchers appreciate i think is he's just very good at everything he doesn't have the blazing speed so there's no uh footage of him taking a swing pass out of the background and outrunning the cornerbacks and going 99 yards but he always seems to be taking good angles he can catch he's fine he takes really good angles he presses the hole you can tell that he's thinking about what is the defender going to do 15 yards down the field and takes really great angles to mess that up and then runs with really good power. So I think he'll probably grade out to like a four, five, five or a four, six, even though I don't think, you know, 40 speed matters too much, but things like that are going to knock him. And that may be why you'd be able to scoop him up in the 10th or 11th round of your draft. And if he gets a break on a team that doesn't have much at running back and doesn't take one of the big three running backs that we're all super excited about this year, he has a lot of potential to, to start 10, 12 games for you. Just a fantastic all around football player. Yeah. He feels kind of like a, a Zach Moss to me where if he gets drafted to a team, regardless of that, like he's probably going to go to a team that has maybe some questions in their backfield and could be a guy who once he gets opportunity shines in that opportunity and maybe takes that backfield over a uh, little earlier than anticipated or has a larger role in the offense than maybe his like where he goes in the NFL draft would predict. So I like that as someone to like point out because those are always guys who you want to keep track of regardless of if they, you know, if you ultimately do draft them in your fantasy league or if they're just someone on waivers, you can get the upper hand on that by knowing that name, having that name in the back of your head. So when you see reports that like he's doing well in camp or, you know, whatever team gets him has 
fluidity at their at their running back position that he's a, a good guy to have always you know marked and flagged in in the back of your mind yeah I think that Trey Sermon is one of those guys who can really improve his draft stock if he just comes out and has a freak level pro day um he I don't really watch a lot of like full college football games unless they're happening like in that moment I'm not a guy who just goes back and watches full games but I did catch them play Clemson um in the college football playoff and he's not built like Derrick Henry but throughout that game he kind of just seemed to get stronger and stronger almost and it was almost like he just didn't have a an off switch like he was just grinding like he had something to prove uh I think he could be a, a great option for a back to be or to be a workhorse back for any team that might be feeling like they have a little bit of a deficit at that position. All right. Well, Jordan, you also have a running back that you're high on. Yeah. So um, Demetri Felton out of UCLA, he's kind of a dynamic gadget running back slash wide receiver who lined up in the backfield a lot this past season at UCLA about 81% of the time. Um, But he can play in the slot. And I think he'd be a very like, scary jet sweep option for a lot of teams. Um, Daniel Jeremiah has said that he was damn near uncoverable at the senior bowl. And if you go and find some clips of him, basically uh, doing one-on-one drills against um, different defenders, he is dusting them. Like he is a very good route runner um, for somebody who they're playing as a running back, but also could just be like a closer to a slot guy. I kind of compared him to um, being this year's like Antonio Gibson and that he's a guy that could end up picking up steam for fantasy drafts. If he's in the right situation as a guy who's going to either catch a lot of balls or um, just be like the utility guy who they design stuff for. Um, I think he has a lot of work to do in terms of being like an actual runner. He doesn't look like fully natural at doing it. Um, He has good patience though. And um, maybe just work at being better at cutting. Um, I think that he, if he goes to a team like Miami who coached him in the senior bowl. um, So they know a little bit about him. And I also think they wanted like Lynn Bowden to be that kind of player for them. The jet sweep wide receiver running back or Pete, you'll love this. Like new England would be fun for him. Um, and he didn't run particularly well in his pro day, but uh, just this is going to be a season and an off season this year where you're really going to have to look at game film because a lot of these like athletic measurements are just, we're already seeing it. They're already off the charts for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's a little bit like you watch them a little bit more on game tape this year because the unofficial numbers are they're just insane. There's so many people under four, four already. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like Micah Parsons just like ran like a four, three. And you're just like, this is, I mean, Micah Parsons is also stupid fast and can cover sideline to sideline. But uh, that number is, is absurd for a man of his size. Uh, I like, I mean, this is, this is, and this is kind of tying into whom, who I like uh, as a sleeper this year as well. This role that is developing in the NFL as this kind of gadgety lines up in the backfield can also line up out or in the slot can do the end of rounds can do, you know, sweeps screens, whatever, like that is such a defined becoming such a defined role that it offers with it a lot of reliable fantasy value. If 
that player can like solidify it because of the fact that all of those touches are scripted. You know, obviously if it's a running back, you're, you're going to get the ball. And if it's a screen or something like the play is designed for you to get it and you to make plays in space. And so if you're a player who can be able to fully maximize those situations and those instances, and he's on a team who knows how to do that, like, like you mentioned, I mean, I, I would obviously love any kind of anyone who's dynamic on the Patriots, but also like we saw how well Curtis Samuel played under Matt rule and Carolina, that's could be a possible landing spot uh, that there's opportunity for these players to kind of come in as a rookie and put up good numbers because of the fact that so much of their production is just built upon them making plays after getting the ball relatively near the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Just to hit on the point here, uh, We've always, you know, if you watch tape, you always get excited about these people because when you're 5'8 and super fast in college, you're that's big enough in college to really have an impact. And those plays are amazing to watch. And for years, we've seen those guys kind of come into the league and fail because they're just not big enough or they're no longer uh, fast enough. It's like, yeah, you used to be a lot faster than that uh, center linebacker for uh, Washington State. Uh, but the guy that you're playing against in Pittsburgh also runs a 4'4". And so you no longer look really, uh, you're no longer that exciting, Uh, but he has the build and the possibility to go to a team. And we've seen these guys have more success with Naheem Hines and Antonio Gibson and things like that. So the NFL is actually starting to lean into these players. It's really exciting. And, you know, Felton going to the right team will be really nice, especially in PPR leagues, just the kind of flex where you're like, I really just need 12 points. That's well within his capabilities as a rookie. And this ties in nicely to my guy. Like I was saying, uh, I was, I was looking for this kind of role as this gadget kind of player who can, who, you know, uh, can be used backfield uh, also out wide. And that's wide receiver Jalen Darden for me out of North Texas. He is five, nine, but super fast, hyper elusive. Like his, his ability to make defenders miss is, is next level. Uh, and obviously that was apparent. He had 19 touchdowns last year, 74 catches, 1000 plus yards, not a contested catch winner. Doesn't, you know, doesn't have the size to go up and win 50, 50 balls, but he is like, I, I feel like he is kind of like I was talking about Matt rule. And that's why I brought it up. I feel like he could fit how Matt rule used Curtis Samuel uh, in last terms in terms of, you know, can be in the backfield, can run jet sweeps, can throw him screens, but also has the speed and the hands, obviously, to be able to get down the field, win routes, uh, you know, win the nine route, blow the top off a of defense uh, and play that role for a team. So I, I, like you said, Clark, I think that what you said is really good is that the NFL has become better at figuring out how to re- use guys like Tavon Austin or uh, guys like, and this is why I always will, like have a little bit of John Ross love in my heart is because I just, I just feel like there's so much potential there for him to like break out. And I want to be the guy who claims that breakout. Uh, and so the guys like that, where it's like the NFL is becoming better at using these players who can do a lot uh, on the field. And I think that Jalen Darden is going to be a player who's probably going to go maybe third round ish, uh, maybe early fourth round ish. But if he goes to a team that knows what they're doing and, and has a clearly defined role for him that he could quickly, Uh, kind of put up solid enough numbers and those numbers being reliable that you can trust them week in, week out. Yeah, I like this pick in terms of, well, because he's very similar to my pick as a a pass (laughs) catching back who is not like one of those tiny scat backs though, where if he's in on third down, you kind of know exactly what they're doing, like a Edo Smith type Mm. of player or an Eno Benjamin. Just like, I don't think those guys that are like five, six, a buck 80, are going to last very long in the NFL, or at least not 
put up very significant fantasy stats for you on a week to week basis, or even on like a DFS basis. So guys who are like five, eight, five, nine, who can still pack on some like NFL weights, like the best example of that would be like Aaron Jones, who's not a big guy. He's still pretty short, but he can handle the NFL load because he's not like a compact dude, like a mighty mouse running around out there. All right, Nick, wrap us up. Who's uh, who's your draft sleeper this year? So credit to the uh, PFF forecast guys for turning me on to Kellen Mond um, and reading through Lance Zero Line's profile on him. I have come to really like him. Basically, it, they uh, they brought him up. He's quarterback, Texas A&M. Brought him up as a uh, like late day two guy or, or maybe early day three guy. Um, as a quarterback that could succeed if a team were willing to commit constructing the offense around him uh zero lines uh, comp for him is uh Colin Kaepernick which is obviously a really exciting prospect uh he's got a big arm he's a- able to run the RPO offense pretty well he has some processing issues like basic decision making but what was interesting um was that when you kind of look at his accuracy across all like situations, whether it's a tight window or not, it doesn't really uh, shift all that much. Now that doesn't mean that he does not just like drastically overthrow guys, but it's basically his accuracy, I think has more to do with him than like, uh, like mentally than a failure uh, or an inability to complete tight window throws. They're just mental lapses. Um, He's, He's not like the the John Elway type uh, pocket passer in, in, in his stature. He's 6'2", 205, but he, he had some pretty decent raw statistics while at Texas A&M. And I think that, um, I don't know, any any offense that's well-designed and a team that's willing to build around a quarterback-specific playmaking ability, like this would be a pretty fun player if were he given the chance to quarterback an NFL team and they really committed. I think this would be a really fun player to watch. Yeah. On fake teams, I just did my first mock draft for the year and I had four quarterbacks going in the top four picks, uh, obviously. And so once those guys, like there are, I would say a clear five guys uh, at quarterback. And then after that, I feel like it's just going to be, you're going to have QBs going in the third, fourth, like there's going to be later round guys who there's still teams that need quarterbacks. Like I had, I had the Jaguars, Jets, Niners, Falcons, and Panthers all drafting QBs, and that doesn't address the Broncos, the Patriots, the if the uh, Lions want to get someone behind Goff, uh, if the I'm trying to look at other people quickly, the Raiders question mark, uh, Washington Football Team, if they want to have someone behind, like there there are plenty of teams out there who still would need a a quarterback, and so. It, and, and again, like the NFL is becoming smarter. It's just becoming smarter in how they approach or more willing to adapt. And we've seen teams that are like, we will construct our offense around a guy. So if, if Kellen Mond, who has that athletic ability and can make the throws goes to a team that is willing to say like, yep, we're going, you are our guy. We're going to put you in the best opportunity to succeed. Uh, you know, maybe El, like Elway to the Broncos seemed like a great destination, even though he's not typically Elway's guy, uh, but maybe Elway has learned his lesson and maybe you don't draft only six, six quarterbacks who can <laughs> throw, throw cannons and can't really aim. Uh, but that seems like an opportunity where there's a lot of offensive talent there and him falling into that situation or him falling into a situation where there is a clear hole, but a talent around him for him to succeed. Then that's, that's a really great, great, great pick. So, uh, 
football guy is Cecil Lammy is uh, does a lot of work in Denver. He's on the radio there and then also does work with football guys, which is an awesome site and awesome podcast. If you're not listening, you should. Uh, he, he's made it very clear that John Elway is uh, in his last figurehead year. He's being paid to not come into the office and they are just doing him a solid uh, <laughs> by not firing him. So they brought in new awesome. staff and they, they will be heading in another direction. Uh, Mond is an excellent pick to keep an eye on, uh, certainly in like dynasty leagues, but then in your keep on your, you know, waiver wire short list uh, when we have these situations like in uh, Detroit and Denver where there is technically a quarterback there and you know that they're not excited about it. Uh, this type of pick is the guy who second half of the season can put up some really good fantasy numbers a la not Jordan Love, the other guy in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, so this is the kind of quarterback who can do that, who may fall off the radar six weeks into the season. So just keep this in mind. Really good pick, Nick. Also, I'm like really personally hurt that I didn't mention the Patriots as a landing spot. Like, you're already built this offense around Cam Newton. Let's just let's just plug this guy in too. Cam's gonna yeah. ball out this year. So Cam is going to ball out this year. To Clark's point, if you're like if a guy like Taylor Heineke can come in in the last like in the playoffs and in the last couple of weeks of the season, then why can't like another athletic type of quarterback just come in and start delivering for you? Um, I like Denver as a possible uh, place for him to land. If, you know, Elway is really just a figurehead now, it's good that Mon doesn't have to be six, four or taller. Um, I'm thinking of other teams too, who are definitely in need for a quarterback switch either this year or next year and aren't really in the position to grab one of the top four or five guys like um, Chicago or like a Minnesota. They could be an interesting team to watch in like day two or day three to add someone like Mond. Awesome. Well, there you go. This is, like I said, this is just the start. We are the pinnacle, not the pinnacle, the tip of our uh, NFL draft iceberg iceberg content there we go uh so we will be making sure as we roll deeper into april we will be ramping up our uh draft content and conversations but we figured we'd start it off here with some uh some guys who maybe you're not hearing a lot about because we will spend plenty of time talking about the jamar chases and the uh uh other wide receivers (laughs) i just did the mock draft you think these names would be on the top of my head anyways (laughs) Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball shows. Fantasy baseball season is starting. It's about to start in uh, Thursday, on Thursday. So, uh, you know, if you play fantasy baseball, make sure you subscribe to get that great content. We have a ton of stuff going on at Fake Teams, including our super deep uh, draft kit. So if you're drafting right now, please check it out, faketeams.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Hit us up with your wheel bet punishments. We will make sure to include them on the wheel. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, Jordan at Jordan Smith. Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace. <laughs>